The theme of the past couple of Mishnayis, as well as the next couple of Mishnayis, is the concept that one is not allowed to assist somebody else in breaking the laws of Shemitah. So it's so that you're not allowed to sell somebody else tools which you would use for plowing, for example. And in our mission, we're going to see another application of that halacha. Now, if you think about it, because all the fields were open to anybody to come in and take the produce during Shemitah, each individual person will not be able to get so much because anyone can come into the field. So there'll be lots of people collecting the produce and therefore any one individual would not be able to collect so much for himself. And the Chachon estimated a particular amount that an individual would be able to get from a field in general. And we're going to see that with regards to wine and oil, that's the focus of our Mishnah, they estimated that somebody would be able to get enough grapes to squeeze and make into wine such that he'd be left with 15 jugs of wine. And when it comes to collecting olives, olives were perhaps more popular or more rare, so people would try and get them. So the Chachom estimated that one would be able to collect enough olives to make five jugs of oil. Now what happens if somebody collects lots and lots of olives or lots and lots of grapes, and after collecting them he comes to somebody who sells jugs, and he asks him, let's say, for 50 jugs. In that case, we need to suspect that person that he did not collect those olives from a field which was left open for everybody, but rather he might have bought them from somebody, or perhaps the field which he got them from was not open to everybody. The point is, we suspect this person of not obtaining those olives or grapes in a way that is permitted during Shemitah. The only permitted way is if you go into a field which is open for everybody, and then you can get the olives. And because of this, Hayotzer, a craftsman, somebody who makes these jugs, he's only allowed to sell he can sell a maximum of five jugs of oil to a particular person. Not five jugs of oil, but five jugs which he'll use for oil. And 15 jugs which he would use for wine. The jugs used for wine were different than the jugs used for oil. But that's the maximum. Because that is a, that is a general maximum amount which a person would bring from Hefka. And that's referring to the Shmita produce. It was not common for somebody to be able to bring more than that from Shmita produce. And therefore, if this person does bring more and therefore he wants more jugs, you cannot sell him more jugs. You can only sell him 15 and 5 because otherwise you'd be assisting him in his sin of getting these olives from a field which did not observe the laws of Shmita. And the truth is, this is all the Chatchila. This is all in the ideal case if, for example, the person buying the jugs doesn't come with olives, let's say he wants to buy jugs in advance. So in that case, the person can only sell him 15 jugs for oil and 5 jugs which he'll use for wine. However, interestingly, the Mishnah says that if Bidi Eved, which means once the person has done it, once the person has brought the olives, so now he's got loads of olives, then Hevi Yosemikan, if he brings more olives than the amount which would produce five jugs, and the same would apply to grapes, 15 jugs, then interestingly, Mutter, it's permitted for this person who sells the jugs to sell him however many jugs he needs, because although ideally one shouldn't sell it originally, because that's before the person has done the Aveira. So by you giving him enough jugs, he'll then go and illegally get lots of olives from fields which aren't open for everybody. So in that case, you can't encourage him to do so. But once that person has done the Avera, or possibly done the Avera, we're still not sure, so then you can give him the jugs because you're not causing him to do the sin. And the Mishnah ends off, One is allowed to sell to a non-Jew who lives in Eretz Yisrael, however many jugs he likes, obviously because the non-Jew doesn't have to keep the laws of Shemitah. The point is, we're not worried that the non-Jew will then go and sell on these jugs to Jews. And on a similar note, Uli Yisrael B'chutz 
one is allowed to sell as many drugs as he likes to a Jew outside of Eretz Yisrael, where the Shmitah laws do not apply, and we're not concerned that that Jew will sell it on to Jews who are living in Eretz Yisrael where the Shmitah laws do apply. One is not allowed to sell to somebody else who he suspects does not necessarily keep the laws of Shmitah. He cannot sell him a cow which is trained in ploughing. That means that you don't regularly milk this cow, you train this cow up to plough, it's a very expensive cow, and it's worth a lot to you. And of course you cannot sell it to somebody who you suspect will use it for ploughing, because that's what this cow is designated for, and therefore you've got to assume that that is what the buyer will use it for. And even though technically the buyer could actually slaughter it and eat it, because it was so valuable and trained to plough, the buyer is unlikely to just slaughter it, and therefore Beishamai forbid you to sell it to him. However, Beishil Matirian, Beishil will allow you to sell it to somebody, even if you suspect him of not keeping the laws of Shemitah, because he is technically able to slaughter it. So even if it's unlikely, you're not responsible for that, as long as there's an option for him to do something permissible with that cow, you're allowed to sell it to him, even if it's more likely that he will use it to plough. Similarly, one is allowed to sell produce to somebody even if he suspects him of not keeping the laws of Shemitah. He can sell him produce, even at the time where people generally plant things. And even Beishamai agree that you can do this, because in this case, the buyer could either plant the produce again, or he could eat the produce. There's no reason to assume that he'll plant it more than there is a reason to assume he'll eat it. It's not more likely that he'll plant it, and therefore, even Beishamai agree that you're allowed to sell him that produce. One is also allowed to, me- to lend somebody a measuring tool. It measures a sa'a, that's a certain measurement. Even if he knows that the buyer has a threshing floor, where he would store lots of produce, and to collect produce to store during Shemitah is forbidden. You're only allowed to collect it to eat the produce. However, we assume that the buyer could just as well use that measuring tool for a permissible use. For example, to measure food which he's going to eat, not necessarily that which he's going to store. So because he could use it for a permissible use, and there's no reason to assume otherwise necessarily, it's not more likely that he'll use it for the forbidden use, and therefore it's permitted. Continues the Mishnah, One is also allowed to give him change. He can give him lots of small coins in return for a big coin. Even if he knows that this person has workers, and that he might want to give the workers this small change, and the workers might do a forbidden activity during Shemitah, nevertheless, you do not need to assume that. It's no more likely that the workers will do forbidden activities than they will do permitted activities, and therefore, you are allowed to help this person out by giving him change. So the point of these three examples is to show, similar to what we saw a couple of Mishnahis ago, that one is allowed to give somebody else, even if that somebody else is someone who we don't know if he keeps Shemitah properly, you're still allowed to give him something if that thing could be used for a permissible use, and certainly, even according to Beishamai, if it's no more likely that he'll use it for the forbidden use. However, the Mishnah warns at the end, all of these cases, if the person buying the thing, or the person receiving or borrowing the thing, says explicitly what he wants it for, and he says that I want it to, for example, I want it to plant, or I want this measuring tool to measure things which I'm going to store. If he tells you he's going to use it for the forbidden use, then Asurin. Then it's forbidden for you to lend it to him or to give it to him, because then you are certainly assisting him in an Avera, which as we have seen is forbidden. And even if the buyer, let's say, he says, I'm going to use it to plough. I'm going to use this cow to plough. 
Even though he didn't say I'm going to use it to plough during Shemitah, maybe he's just going to use it to plough next year. Nevertheless, it's much more likely he's going to use it in Shemitah. And since anyway he's suspected of not necessarily keeping the laws of Shemitah, one would not be able to lend or give him that item. Mishnah test. As we saw in the previous Mishnah, even if the main purpose of an item and the main use of that item is a forbidden use, if it does have a permitted use, then certainly according to Beis Hillel, and in some cases even according to Beis Shammai, one is allowed to give that to somebody who he suspects does not keep the laws of Shemitah. And therefore, Mash Elis Ishola woman is allowed to lend to her friend, Hachashul Alashavies, who is suspected of not keeping the laws of Shemitah properly. She's allowed to lend her Nofa, a sieve which is usually used to sieve flour or chavara, a sieve used to separate grain, Virichaim, a millstone used for grinding, the sun or an oven, and the thing which we suspect her of doing is using these to prepare food after the time of beer. Because as we learnt earlier on in the Masechta, beer is the stage when all the produce is finished from the fields, and at that stage one has to get rid of that produce from his house. He can't just continue eating it. But since this person, this woman, does not keep the laws of Shemitah, we suspect her of eating that food and not removing it from her house even after the time of beer. Nevertheless, you are allowed to lend it to her, and the reason for this is because there are permitted uses of these items. For example, the sieve could be used to separate out sand, you could use the oven or the mill for dyes and other inedible substances. And even though that's not the primary use of these things, since there is a permitted use, you are allowed to give it to her. However, you're still not allowed to sieve or to grind with her after the time of beer, because you're assisting her in preparing the food which she is not allowed to eat. And in that way, you are assisting a person doing an avira, and that, as we have seen, is forbidden. Now, the rest of this Mishnah is not related to Shemitah, but it's connected to what we just mentioned, and therefore the Mishnah brings it. And it involves laws to do with Tumah and Tahara, to do with one being impure or pure. And the halacha is that an Am Ha'oretz, who is an ignorant person, who doesn't know the laws of most things, such as separating tithes, and he does not know the purity laws. So the halacha is that, number one, we view all of his produce as untithed, and therefore if you buy produce from an Am Ha'oretz, You'll need to separate the various tithes and gifts for the Kohanim, the Levim, or the poor people. You'll have to separate that yourself, because you cannot trust the Amoretz that he did it. And number two, we also suspect him of being Tomei, of being impure. Now just before we see the continuation of our Mishnah, it's important to know a very important and fundamental principle with regards to Tumah. And that is that something can only become Tomei, we're referring to produce here, produce can only become Tomei, if at some point, since it was detached from the ground, it has come in contact with liquid, or to be precise, one of seven liquids, water, wine, and so on. Now, it does not need to be wet when it becomes Tomei, but it has to have become wet at some point, and then even if it dries after that, it can still become Tomei. So the Mishnah says, The wife of a Chover, a Chover is really the opposite of an Amhoret, so a Chover is particular about the laws of purity, as well as the laws of tithes, so the wife of a Chover, who is also a Chover herself, can lend to the wife of an Amhoretz, who is also an Amhoretz herself, who does not know the laws of the tithes or of purity. One can lend her Nofor, Chavara, different types of sieves. There's a discussion of whether you're able to lend her an oven and a millstone as well. And not only can you lend this to her, but even with Oyeres, you can separate things out with her, with you can grind things with her, or you can sieve things with her, you can prepare the food with her. And even though in general we suspect an Amhoretz that his food is not tithed, so you would think that you would not be able to help him 
or in this case help her to prepare the food because it might be untithed so you're preparing food which is forbidden to eat nevertheless in this case it's permitted and as we'll see in the continuation of the Mishnah the reason why this is permitted is in order to promote peace and friendship among Jews and also since most Ame Ha'aretz do actually separate the tithes only a few don't so we're lenient in a case of promoting peace. So that solves the problem of the tithes. But what about the fact that the food of an Amoritz is considered to be tome? Well, the answer is we're talking about preparing flour and grain with this person, which has not become wet before. And therefore, even if the Amoritz is, let's say, tome, and therefore if a Amoritz who is tome touches food, the food would usually become tome. Since in this case, the food cannot become tome, so you can prepare the food with her, it's impossible for it to become tome yet. Now the truth is, even if food has become wet before, if it's regular food which does not have sanctity to it, then it will become tome, but that doesn't matter. According to the straight letter of the law, one is allowed to eat tome food as long as that food does not have sanctity to it. However, something like truma, which is the gift which goes to karnim, since that is holy, that cannot become tome, and certainly if it does become tome, you cannot eat it. Now continues the Mishnah, But once the water has been added, once she adds water to the flour and makes it into dough, so now that's become wet, which means that it is fitting to become tome. Now that alone is okay, because if it's regular food, it can become tome. However, this dough does have sanctity to it, because when dough is made, part of the dough has to be separated as chala and given to the Kohen, and that chala has sanctity to it, and before it's been taken from the dough, the entire dough has sanctity, and therefore it cannot become tome. So once the water has been added, and therefore the dough is fit to become tome, from that stage then Then you cannot touch it, you cannot help the woman at all, because she's tome, the woman who's in Amoritz is tome, and as soon as she touches the dough, the dough will become tome as well, and from that point on it's illegal. So if you help her to let's say knead the dough, you're assisting in the Aveira of making chala tome. Because one is not allowed to encourage and help somebody who is, who is performing an Avera. And now the Mishnah goes to explain what we said before this part of the Mishnah. When we said that you are allowed to lend your tools to an Amhaaretz, even though in general we suspect Amhaaretz that their food has not been tithed, and therefore it's forbidden food, so you shouldn't be able to help them do that Avera of preparing the forbidden food. The Mishnah explains, They only said that because of ways of peace, in order to promote peace and helping others, and also so that the Amhaaretz does not feel hatred towards the non-Amhaaretz, for not lending her her things, and therefore we allowed it. And now we come back to Shemitah, as we learnt earlier on in the Masechta, one is allowed to encourage non-Jews while they're working during Shemitah, you can't encourage a Jew who is illegally working a field during Shemitah because you're encouraging and assisting an Avera. And the parakens of the Shalim Bishloiman, one may and one should ask of the welfare of non-Jews, again in order to promote peace and so that the non-Jews don't feel hatred or animosity towards the Jews. And with that we conclude Perak He of Shavias. Five proken down, five to go. Perak Vov, Shemitah and all the laws which accompany it only apply in Eretz Israel. In the land of Israel, just like all mitzvahs which have something to do with the land, they only apply in Eretz Israel. That land is considered much holier than other lands, and the truth is that in the history of the Jewish people, the land of Eretz Israel gained Kedusha, it gained sanctity at two separate occasions. The first one was when we entered Eretz Israel for the first time, under the leadership of Yeshua, 
and the second time was after we were exiled at the destruction of the first Beis Hamikdash. So just before the second Beis Hamikdash was built, Ezra came up with lots of the Jewish people from Bovel, and when he came back to Eretz Yisrael, the land was sanctified once again. However, when Ezra came up, he didn't reconquer all of the land which was originally part of Eretz Yisrael, which meant that the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael didn't cover as many areas as it did when Yeshua entered Eretz Yisrael. But this is the sanctity which lasted. So mid according to the Torah, only that which was reconquered by Ezra is considered Eretz Yisrael proper, and therefore mid only those parts of Eretz Yisrael which were reconquered are obligated in Shemitah. However, mid even those areas which were originally part of Eretz Yisrael, they are also obligated in Shemitah, at least to a certain degree. So the mission tells us, Sholish Arotzois, there are three different lands, Lashavias, with regards to the obligation of Shemitah. And the first one, the strongest level, is Kol Shechaziku Ole Bovel. All parts of the land, which those who came up from Bovel with Ezra reconquered, and what exactly is that area that is Me'eretz Yisrael v'ad Kaziv, and this means it's from the most southern point of Eretz Yisrael, up to Kaziv in the north. Meaning nothing in the south of Eretz Yisrael changed between the first time they entered Eretz Yisrael and the second time. But in the north it did change. Ezra did not con- reconquer everything in the north, and therefore only up to Kaziv, that which grows there cannot be eaten, and the land cannot be grown. What does that mean? So that means that after the beer, after the stage where one has to remove all the produce from his house, and we've seen already that if you do not remove it from your house, then you can't just continue eating it. So that's what the Mishnah is saying, that beer applies to those lands. And of course, Lenevod, it cannot be worked, because you cannot work land during Shemitah. That's category number one. Category number two, All that those who came up from Mitzrayim with Yoshua, all that they conquered and was not reconquered by Ezra, and what is that? That is the land me Kaziv ad Hanohar. From Kaziv to the river, which is to the east of Kaziv, the Adamono to a mountain, which is in that region. The mission is just giving the geography of it. The point is, that is the area which, which was conquered by Yoshua, but not reconquered by Ezra. And therefore, mid it's not considered part of Eretz Israel at all anymore. But mid since it once was part of Eretz Israel, you cannot work there during Shemitah. But since it's only with Jabonon, in order to differentiate between Shmita, which is Midoraisa, and Shmita, which is Midjabonon, the Rabonon were more lenient with regards to their Midjabonon Shmita. And therefore, Nechol, you can eat the Shmita produce forever. Bio does not apply, Avalinevod, but that land cannot be worked, because Shmita does apply Midjabonon in that area. And finally, category number three is that which was not even conquered by um, Yeshua. It was never part of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore Shemitah does not apply even with Jabonon, even though it's right next to Eretz Yisrael. And that is from the river and the mountain of Amona inwards, and this really means outwards, outwards away from Eretz Yisrael, you can eat that produce forever, there's no beer, and in fact you can even work the land there, because Shemitah does not apply at all, even with Jabonon.